Hello everyone, my name is Kendall and welcome to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. And just like any book club, we'll only be spending half the time actually talking about books. And this is that half. In these book club episodes of this podcast, my guests and I will be bonding over my favorite hobby, reading. Getting to know their relationship to books, the ones they love, the ones that have made the biggest impact on them, and so much more. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you that my guests and I will be sharing our own personal experiences, opinions, and possible book spoilers throughout this episode and all future episodes. Let's get started. We're here for another book club episode, and this time I am joined by my guest. If you listened to the previous unofficial book club episode, it is Darren Gaber, my little sister. Thank you so much for being here again this time to talk about all things books. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to get into this with you. So first and foremost, what is your relationship to reading? Do you like to read? I do like to read. I love reading. You and I grew up reading. Our mom is an educator, so she always pushed reading of all kinds. It didn't matter what we were reading, just something. Over the summer, she would give us, like, math packets to do. and Oh, my God. I hated those. Yeah, all of these, like, work over the summer, like, schoolwork over the summer, and one of them was, like, a reading incentive. And mm-hmm. depending on how much you did, you got, like, prizes or whatever. And I would yeah, always like use my money book. to buy books mm-hmm. or a Build-A-Bear, depending on the age. Yeah, I remember that. We did one time. We all went to go get Build-A-Bears. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and it was, like, you could get, like, ice cream or you could get... Like, certain number of pages you read gave you... She basically bribed us, actually. Now that we're saying it out loud, she bribed us to read Mm -hmm. and do our work. Anyways, but it got us to like reading. At least for me, it got me to really enjoy reading and choose things that actually interest me and I want to read. And it helped that she also read to us, like, as a kid. Mm -hmm. She read aloud to us every night before bed, and we would all... Like, sit with her. Us three girls would sit with her, and she would read um, mainly Harry Potter. Is like yeah, what I remember the most. that was the big most. one. Mm-hmm. Her reading that aloud to us. Um, yeah, I remember her reading Harry Potter to us. We got through the entire series. At one point, we would take turns reading aloud to one another as well, and that, mm-hmm. like, helped us, you know, read aloud, which is a skill set in of itself. But Harry Potter by J.K. Rowling. Yeah, and... Honestly, the thing that I remember most from those seven books was in the seventh book, the very end. Spoilers. Which, spoiler alert. <laughs> spoilers. Harry dies mm. and he sacrifices himself. And um, it's that moment when he, he dies and he sees his parents' ghosts and Sirius's ghost and everything. Um, but what I remember is Kendall deciding to pierce her own ear during that <laughs> Part of the book. I don't remember being during that, but now, now that I you say that. I very specifically remember that. That's so funny. Because mom was reading it out loud to us. We uh-huh. were all sitting around the dining room table. And, and I asked, can I get my ears pierced mm-hmm. a second time? And she said no. And I said, what if I did it myself? And yeah, she said the second piercing, yeah. not just, yeah. And she was like, okay, do it. Yeah, not thinking you would do it. And then Don't challenge you did. me. And I just remember you sitting at the dinner table Digging. with, it was the ice cube and the apple that you learned. No, 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 I didn't do it with an ice cube oh, and an apple. Oh, you didn't? Mm-mm. I didn't do it with an apple. Maybe I used an ice cube, but I just like dug 
that needle through my ear. <laughs> Blood and all. Yep, and I remember that, and I just remember you crying through it. But you did it. Mm-hmm. You did it yourself. And then I know you couldn't do the second one, though. You could only get through I one did. of them. I don't think I did. Oh. I'm pretty sure remember. you just did the one, and then you got the all, other one done. All I remember, that, that determination. Once mm-hmm. I got halfway through the skin, you just got to get all At that point, through. you can't go back. Nope. But yeah, I anyway. Mm-hmm. It's probably why they're so uneven. Yeah, that's basic. That but that's funny. That's a good, good memory. Another reading memory of mine that has always kind of stuck with me was when we would read at the dinner table. Our mom especially didn't want us on like devices or watching TV or anything like that at dinner. It was supposed to be a family meal. So um, I remember my mom. She instated this, I think it was Thursday nights. I'm pretty sure it was I Thursday nights. I feel like you're nights. just making it up. No, but... I'm pretty sure it was Thursday. It was either okay. Wednesday or Thursday nights. Okay. And we would sit around the dinner table, and you were allowed to bring a book and mm. read during dinner. What and age was this? I don't remember this. I was, like, in middle school, maybe early high school. Okay. I think it was middle school for so me. So what were you reading at that time? Specifically, I remember... The Hunger Games was one of Collins. them mm-hmm. by Suzanne Collins. The first book I remember reading because I was reading it on my little like e-reader. It wasn't a Kindle, but it was like a tablet. Mm-hmm. And oh, you gave it to me actually. Um, and I remember having an argument with mom because she was like, "That's a device," and like, "But it's a book." <laughs> <laughs> okay, what were we reading? What was Morgan reading? Um, our other was sister. Reading, yeah, our other sister was probably reading. Percy Jackson is uh, my Beverly guess. Bryden. Yep. Yeah. Her all-time favorite. Yep. You, I think it was around the time that you were reading uh, Pretty Little Liars. Ooh, Pretty Little Liars by Sarah Shepard. Mm-hmm. I read all of those books. I had them all. Oh, my gosh. I had them all on hardcover, which was mm-hmm. expensive, but I saved up my money to buy them. I, I, just, I can Shepherd. vividly remember us all sitting around the dinner table in silence reading our books and eating what a brilliant idea I love that I don't know how long it would last because I feel like we would start making comments or share something yeah but I remember that I love that so when do you read now like when do you find time to read now I don't find a whole lot of time to read much anymore which is really upsetting and I'm trying to get back to it but because of my schedule I have been listening to a lot of audiobooks, Hmm. and so I'll listen on my way to work or on my way home from work, or if I'm just, like, cleaning or doing dishes or cooking, something like that, I'll listen to my audiobooks. Like, I listen to The Inheritance Games, and I'm still working on those, but I'm... Oh, by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Mm -hmm. One of our faves. Um, Also re-listening to the Percy Jackson books now as an adult. But, yeah, I listen to a lot of books now. I'm trying to get into the habit of taking a moment before I go to bed and just reading for, like, 30 minutes to an hour or a chapter or something like that. Yeah. And decompressing that way. That's my next. Yeah. I want to try and do, like, spending a Sunday. Although, like, usually the weekend is you preparing for the week, right? Or, like, Mm -hmm. cleaning or whatever. But I'd like to take a Sunday, like, midday or morning, have my breakfast and read. Maybe I want to try that because I do read before bed, but like I think it'd be nice to incorporate it in a daytime activity. Yeah, I don't think there's anything more relaxing than sitting either in a really beautiful place Mm -hmm. or at least a very comfortable place, somewhere that you feel very at home, 
with a good drink, whether it's alcoholic or mm-hmm. if it's warm tea or something, but something you truly enjoy and just reading something. I don't think there's anything cozier. Mm-hmm. I like that too. So how far do you get into a book before you decide to put it down or stop reading it? Like if, if you're not sure if you're going to like it or not, how far do you get into it? For me, it's less of like a number of chapters. I feel like a lot of people have told me you have to get like a quarter of the way through or a third of the way through and then you're good. For me, it's less of that. It's not like a number of chapters or pages. It's more of if I can clearly tell that the author is ramping up to something and I'm just not interested, I'm not going to keep going. And that's not to say that it's like might not be a good book. It could be a great book, just not my vibe or my speed. But that's more so my judge of it is if we're going through the rising action and plot points are going past me and I just am not invested. Yeah, I just I'll probably put it down at that point. Gotcha. What's your favorite book? My favorite book series is probably the Percy Jackson series. Percy Jackson and the Olympians Percy by Jackson. Rick Riordan. Absolutely love that series. And re-listening to it as an adult holds up. Mm. It's still just as good. Um, but single book is probably Good Omens by Neil Gaiman. I don't know that book. But it's I know so like a show. good. So Good Omens, they made a TV show from the book Um, It's on Amazon Prime, and basically the story is there's a demon or a devil and an angel, and they become besties over the millennia, and they're on Earth watching the humans, helping take care of, slash also create some mischief, and throughout the years, they become best friends, and then suddenly... The Antichrist shows up, and they have to stop the apocalypse. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's so good. The TV show is so good. I watched the show before I read the book, and then realized that they actually hold, like, it holds up compared to the book. The TV show follows the plot very, very closely. There's obvious differences, but it follows it very closely, and the book is just so easy to listen to. It's so good. It's Hmm. so funny. What's your favorite genre of book? I love an adventure. I don't know if that's really a genre. (laughs) Maybe that's more of a trope. I guess genre would probably be YA. Yeah. I I love YA. Yeah. I like the the stories that they tell are coming of age. So Mm -hmm. it's all very dramatic and very like... Yeah. you know, trying to figure out who you are and who you are in this world and you're dealing with very real things and becoming somebody, and I, I love that. And it's an adventure without having to be too serious. Yeah. Like, a lot of young adult novels and series tackle really important issues yeah. and, and things that, like you said, it's coming of age. You know, it's things that you deal with. Everybody yeah. has to Loyalty, deal with friendship, things. love. Yeah. yeah. And... And then there's also, like, grief, having to tackle grief as well, which is so hard. Um, yeah, and loss. Mm-hmm. And, but the great thing about young adult is 
that genre allows you to tackle those concepts in in a way that's forgiving. Mm. You can you can talk about grief and still be able to joke. Yeah. And you can still tackle important things that people need to learn and understand and that people around that age and I mean, I guess just generally yeah, things that people can see themselves in. I like that. Yeah. But you also have the freedom of a fun adventure. Yeah. You know, something that's a little otherworldly, which is always yeah. fun. A lot of magic and fantasy and yeah. yeah. Uh, anything fae, love. Fairies, dragons, any of that. Love. Ooh, I wonder if you should read A Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. I've seen that. People really like it. Okay, I've seen that all over my TikTok. Yep. Okay. What was your favorite book as a kid? So. Your face is changing. <laughs> I won't out myself like this. Um, I, I loved the Warrior Cat series. The Warrior, have you, so the Warriors books, it was about this, so it started with this cat. He's a like. By Aaron Hunter? Yeah. And it was this cat, his name was Rusty, I believe. And he was like a house cat and he got stuck outside and then ended up meeting these wild cats out in the forest. And then you find out there's like these clans of cats. There's the like water or river clan. There's like thunder clan. And so... Following that story, I was so into those books. I mm. loved them. And it was, I think because it was still a young, it was a young book that clearly was meant for kids. Like, it was not for adults. It's for kids. But you're dealing with, like, war and and these serious topics. I mean, oh, my God, so many characters died in those books. I won't, <laughs> like, I won't give names in case anyone wants to read them. But there were certain main characters my heart broke when so they sad. died. And because there's also Star Clan. Because <laughs> Star Clan is where you go to heaven. Mm. But going back to the whole YA thing, dealing with grief in that way, yeah. which I think honestly did help me at that like age. To understand it? Yeah, to just understand some of those real concepts. What a wild thing to comprehend when you're reading about cats and like you have pets yourself. Like, oh my so God. Sad. Okay, so. Also, knowing we had a cat that ran away, like, never came home. We had, so, our parents still have a cat named Jazz. And, yes, sweet little grumpy boy. And he's all gray. And there was a character in the books called Graystripe, I believe. I'm surprised I'm remembering these names Mm -hmm. all these years Mm -hmm. later. But I'm pretty sure this is Graystripe. And I just remember when we found, when we adopted Jazz thinking about gray stripe and I was going to get so upset if or when he ever died or anything. So what are some of your favorite book tropes, whether it's a romance novel or other novels? Like what are your favorites? So when it comes to romance, I'm not a fan of the love triangle personally. Me neither. Yeah. I just, I don't love the competition between you know what I don't love in a love triangle? Hmm. When the person's in love with two siblings 
Yeah, no. no not a fan. You. Not a fan. But the only one that works, you know, really I know. we know, yeah. The Inheritance Games mm-hmm. by Jennifer Lynn Barnes, that mm-hmm. love triangle, which happens to be between the main character and two brothers. The only one that works, the only one I'm like okay with, the only I think one that, that one does so well because it is like an equal triangle. Yeah. Where both of them could be so good for her. Yeah. And it's each and like person she, is so different. So yeah. like you really just have a love for both of them. And they each bring out a great side of her. Yeah, too. and a different yeah. So I kind of honestly almost forget that they're brothers. Yeah. You know? I don't love that. Yeah. And it's not my favorite part of that. But <laughs> But I love them. And yeah. so it like makes it work. And so the Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes is about a girl who finds out after this billionaire dies that he has left her his entire fortune and entire estate, everything to her. And she's never met this billionaire. She doesn't really know who he is. She's like so confused. And at the same time, he has four grandsons that get nothing. His kids get nothing. Yeah, they've all been written out of the will. Yep. And so the caveat is she has to live in his house for a full year before she can like get that money and that estate and everything. But at the same time, she's trying to figure out why her, how does she, does she know him? Like, how does this, how was she picked for this? And so the whole book series is a, is full of puzzles and mystery and it's so good. It's one of my favorite series. I still need to finish it. I'm still working on it. It's so good. And the third book just came out and I'm so excited to read it. Mm-hmm. So back to tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, that trope, love triangles, not a huge fan. Also, I love enemies to lovers. I do. And I know it's not like the healthiest relationship ever. <laughs> But I do love enemies to lovers. When the enemies have a good story arc and character development that makes them good for each other, not like he was a bad person. Yeah, like I don't, I don't want to be like I can change <laughs> him. No, no, exactly. He, like they, whomever figures their shit out, yeah, and you grow together as a couple. That yeah. I love. What about? If it's not a romance book, what are some, like, storylines and tropes that you enjoy? I know that we're on the same page about this. Okay. Love mysteries. Love mysteries. Love a heist. A heist. A good Here curse. For a good heist. Ooh, I love a good curse. A race against time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A quest. A quest. That's what it was. A quest. Love a quest in any kind of way. Because a heist could be a quest. Yeah. Any adventure like that. Yeah. Any high like stakes. A journey like that. Yeah. yeah. I love that kind of stuff. What book had the biggest impact on you and why? So back in high school, I read two books. Okay. Well, I read a lot of books in high school. Let me, <laughs> <laughs> let me back up. I only read two. <laughs> My entire high school career. No. Um, specifically, I read these two books that really stuck with me all these years later. And in my freshman year of high school, I read The Five People You Mean in Heaven. By Mitch Album. Album, I think. I might yeah. be mispronouncing that. Okay. So, The Five People You Mean in Heaven, it's about this guy who, spoilers, he dies and he <laughs> goes to heaven. Shocker. It happens in the first chapter. And then 
um, when he dies, he's going through this journey to then be able to move on to his afterlife and into heaven. And in this journey, he meets five people. Each person in some way either had a effect on his life or his life had an effect on theirs. And some of these people are people who he had known, like his wife is one of them. And so talking to her, seeing things that happened in their life together through her eyes. And then another one, like it could either be someone who you're very, very close with, or there's others who he never like spent any time with these people, maybe crossed paths with them once or twice. And because of when they happened to cross paths, it changed the person's life immensely. But I like the concept of that. But yeah, that. the whole concept is that he he meets these people in heaven and he has to learn these lessons. Everybody has something to teach him. And so it's a reflection on his own life and how his life affects others and how every choice you make, every everything you do in life is going to affect somebody else in yeah. one way or another. You might have no idea it's affecting the yeah. other person. And everything you do matters and you have no idea how, but it does. Yeah. That's beautiful. I right? love that. So that was one book. Another one that I read in my senior year of high school was called The Stranger. The Stranger by Albert Camus. Stranger by Albert Camus. 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 Because it's French. Albert Camus, he's a French philosopher, um, and he wrote and studied about existentialism, and um, in the book The Stranger, it follows, there's a lot of really messed up stuff that happens in that book, like stuff I probably shouldn't say, like trigger warnings if you want to read that book. Okay. Um, And... A lot happens and he has to deal with it and it's all about him trying to find his place in the world and understanding where he is in the universe. And the one thing I don't love about the book is that it is very egocentric for him. Like it's all through his eyes, but it's only ever through his eyes. There's no real sympathy for others. But then that lends itself really well to the concept of the self and figuring out what where you stand in the world and that's part of the lesson he learns of his effect on others and where what his purpose is in the universe in his point in time so what book taught you the best lesson i would say that the five people you meet in heaven probably taught me Though both of those books taught me a lot and definitely affected who I am today. Clearly, because I keep referencing back to them (laughs) all these years later. But I think The Five People You Meet in Heaven definitely affected me and taught me a lot. Because it is that thinking about the world outside of yourself. And thinking about what your effect is on others. Because I think I grew up in such a way... I was very self-centered. I still am honestly but taking a breath and realizing it's not about you Mm. you know or at least it's not always about you yeah there's so much happening out in the world that in the five people you meet in heaven 
like I said before, like you might have an effect on somebody that you might never even realize until potentially you meet them on your way to heaven. So the concept of nihilism, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, Who's a philosopher. So Nietzsche talked about nihilism and about how nothing, potentially, nothing matters in the world. So if nothing matters in the world, you making a choice to give to charity or help someone out in the world or something like that, that could be, it could help that person in the moment, in the grand scheme of things. Ultimately, we're a blip on the timeline of the universe. So at the end of the day, at the end of the world and everything, does it really matter? Which personally, yeah, I think it does. Because mm. if you're, if you stop living in a sympathetic way towards others, yeah, then you just become a jerk. Yeah. So the micro was, of it, like yeah. you matter to everybody in your life and you matter to the people that like you have encounters with. Yeah. So even if what I'm doing today won't matter in a thousand years... It matters today. Mm -hmm. And that's worth something. Yeah. And so that leads to the existential crisis, like in The Stranger of, does anything I do even matter? Who are some of your favorite authors? I love Rick Riordan. Good one. Always. Mm -hmm. Always and forever. Mm -hmm. I also love Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Love Jennifer Lynn Barnes. And love Victoria Aveyard. Love Victoria Aveyard. Honestly, those are probably my top three. I absolutely love them. And we got to meet Jennifer Lynn Barnes as well. And yeah. so hearing her talk in person, yeah, it was incredible hearing her talk about her process and her writing. I love that. I love humanizing an author. Like I've tried to now make sure to look at the back of a book to like visualize and see the picture of the author and read a little bit about them to kind of humanize them when they're creating the story. And then... Over the pandemic, I attended a bunch of virtual, like, workshops that Jennifer Lynn Barnes, like, um, hosted and stuff. And it was just, it was so cool to see. And, like, meeting Victoria Aveyard this year, and I saw her on a panel at, like, a book fair. And kind of humanizing them and seeing them talk as people and their process and being writers and everything, like, makes the stories that they create so much more vivid. It also, at least for me, it helps to then be reading the book and knowing the mind it came from, mm-hmm. you know, because like hearing Jennifer Lynn Barnes talk about the inheritance games and then reading it and being able to understand where she came up with all of this crazy stuff that happens in these books, like insanely awesome things. Yeah. It's like, how do you even come up with that kind of stuff? Yeah. And then her talking about her process, it's just incredible. Yeah, I love that. I could gush about her. I know. (laughs) What book do you wish you could read again for the first time? I wish I could reread the Red Queen series by Victoria Aveyard. Like I just rereading that for the first time again. I remember when I read Red Queen. Yeah, the first time I read the first book of the series, Red Mm -hmm. Queen, I was enthralled in it I think that was one of the few books that I've read most of it in one seating I asked I was like mom Darren read this read this yeah. <laughs> you're gonna love it 
Because when I read it for the first time, I was, I I read it on a Kindle and I had the second book queued up, which I was like really lucky because I got them at the library, I think. And I was sitting in a car and my dad and I were on a road trip (laughs) and we were in Croatia and we were driving from Croatia into Serbia and we were crossing the border. That's the randomest thing. So random, but we were and <laughs> I was sitting in the passenger side reading the end of Red Queen and like the last probably third of the book and then we got stopped at the border and we sat at the border for four hours before we could cross into Serbia and my dad of course is miserable but I'm sitting there reading I finish the book I start the next one and he's trapped in a car with me so I get to turn next to him and be like oh my gosh this happened and this character and I love this and I I was just like telling him all about it. And then I got to start the second book immediately after. And I had like that good chunk of time to do it. And I like loved that. That's a really good, I, yeah, I would go back and reread Red Queen for the first time too. I think another series though would be The Hunger Games. Yeah, I would go back and reread The Hunger Games, especially the first one. I absolutely loved it. Um, I think reading any dystopian mm-hmm. novel now in the world we live in, especially yeah, living in the sure. U.S., is just a whole okay, different... the parallels? Yeah, it's a whole different <laughs> experience. I don't know what Suzanne Collins was thinking, but yeah. she was foreseeing it's, a lot of stuff. It's literally why I can't bring myself to read, like, Handmaid's Tale mm. by Margaret Atwood. Mm-hmm. And I can't I bring myself to watch the show, because it just... It's a little, a little too real. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> but yeah, I think Hunger Games and the Divergent series as well. Mm, by Veronica Roth. Yeah. Actually, going back to tropes, well, I don't know if it's necessarily a trope, but I love a training montage. Katniss training for the arena and, and her yeah. fighting in the arena. Triss in, um, in Divergent mm. training at Dauntless. Love. It's like a character development. Yeah. yeah, and it just, I love that kind of stuff. Another, I guess, trope or yeah, trend? Theme? Another, I guess. So another concept, maybe, that I love, um, this is going to sound bad, but self-sacrifice. Mm. It's an unpopular opinion. <laughs> I know, I know. Let me explain. Um are you going to give examples? Because let's just say yeah. there's probably going to be spoilers <laughs> for whatever book she's going to say starting now. So, spoilers, but Harry Potter dies. Uh-huh. <laughs> he has to sacrifice himself. He comes back. Mm-hmm. They use the resurrection stone. He gets to come back and everything. He lives happily ever after. But he does die at one point mm-hmm. in the seventh book. And where we talked about that you pierced your ear while we were mm-hmm. reading that part of the book. But that whole part of him sacrificing himself for the greater good, that there's something bigger than you. I love that. And uh, Triss, again, in Divergent, in the last book, she dies. And it's not necessarily a really, like, sacrifice per se, but she did. She gave herself up in order to help the greater good and make a difference in the world. Which, compared to, like, the people that got to live, like, no offense, but I remember reading it at the time and being like, why does 
Like, she has to sacrifice herself and dies. But, like, Four, who by the end of the series, I remember being just a mediocre man. Yeah, like, he was I didn't like, love it was, that at the end. It was annoying. I loved Triss. Mm-hmm. I also didn't love that Four's dad got to stick around. Yeah, like, what is that? He should have had some karma come his way. But her sacrifice and giving her life for others. I love that in books and stories because you don't always get that. Usually you get the happy ending. Everybody lives happily ever after. And that's just not true. In the real world, things happen. Shit happens and people die. When you get to see a character who the author has built up the entire series and you've now fallen in love with. Yeah, you're so invested. Yeah, you're invested in this person's life. Mm -hmm. And it's ripped away. It sucks. I hate reading it. But it makes for a great story. Yeah. Like in Harry Potter, Dobby's death. Mm -hmm. Heartbreaking. Oh my gosh, yes. Heartbreaking. After, yeah. Yep. And after he freed him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sirius, who was supposed to like adopt him, basically. Yeah, he's the father figure. Yeah. And he loses yet another father figure. Yeah. Yeah. I love a good character development when the story isn't so black and white. Like, you see somebody, a character, whether they're good or bad, you see them change to be the opposite. Or they, whatever the character development is, like, I love that. And a good Mm -hmm. plot twist mixed in with that is great. Like, spoiler alert, but in Red Queen, like, Maven's plot twist yes. of a character oh you're God, just yes. like thrown, i loved me for the longest time and then complete 180 yeah oh my god it threw me yeah mm-hmm. but i that's so good or there's another character in red queen that because you haven't finished the whole series i won't spoil it for you sitting right here but <laughs> there's because of the way that it's written and in the first book it's written in through kind of the eyes of the main character in most of the chapters, if not all of them, I can't remember. But then by the fourth book, like as you go through all the different books, each character has their own chapter and their own storyline. And I love that because you see so much character growth and certain people just surprise you and you have so much empathy for them and understanding. And I just love that. I'm the same way. I love gray area. You know, not everything's black and white. And blurred lines between good and bad and ambiguous morality, I love. Like, especially when somebody who's supposed to be a villain, a bad person who does good things, or a good person who does really bad things, you know, not everybody is going to be perfect. There's, you know, there's good and bad people in the world, and nobody's one thing. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got that mixture of both in you. And it depends on what part you choose to act on. And I love that. I think that's something that's important for people in the real world to understand. So it's, I love when authors are able to express that. Yeah. Like, for example, another character who I loved her story arc was Clarice in the Percy Percy Jackson Jackson series. Just because, I mean, she starts out as this bully. And then you find out her dad is Aries, and he kind of hates her Mm -hmm. and is pretty, like, emotionally abusive and, like, not available with a dad like that. Though it doesn't excuse her behavior, it is a bit of an explanation. 
and it doesn't make it okay for her to bully, but, like, I, I get it. If my dad was Aries and I was constantly being belittled, yeah, maybe I would take it out on someone else. Well, that's what therapy is for. True. Um, correct. Yeah. But, you know, when you're 12, <laughs> sometimes pushing someone else over does the trick. Yeah. Not Again, not an, not not an excuse. excuse. Nope. We're, We're not advocating for bullying. We are anti-bullying. Yes. So do you think that the book is always better than the movie? Not necessarily. Okay, why or why not? I personally like to look at them as two separate art mediums. Because I think if you look at a film or TV adaption of a book as the exact replica on a screen, you're going to be disappointed. That's true. Well, every person reads a book and has a total vision and image of the way things look, the way the setting is, where they are, etc. And so it's never going to come out the way that you expected it. You're casting it in your head sometimes. And a casting director can't choose the exact person that every single reader is ever going to see. Like, that's just not how that works. You're, when you're casting and you're directing and you're figuring out how to do that kind of a adaption Mm -hmm. onto a screen, you're going to do your best, but... It, you can't make everyone happy, so you're going to have to make choices. And sometimes things get left out or taken out or changed. So, I think as long as the author is helping on set, that's yeah, really... It makes a difference. It makes it a difference. It makes a difference. When we have a movie that the books are beloved across the country and world for kids everywhere, and then they destroy it with the movie. <laughs> what are you talking about? I am talking about the Percy Jackson and the Olympians movie. <laughs> However, the new show that's coming out on Disney Plus for the Percy Jackson is looks like it's going to be great. And I think one of the brilliant things also with this, for example, is turning a book into a movie or a, or a TV show, you have the opportunity to diversify the cast. You have the opportunity to make it progressive or close to... And as modern, with modern times as possible. And that's like accessible to the audience of today. Yeah, and that's great. And so you have something like looking at the trailer for the new Percy Jackson show that's coming out on Disney+. Plus. It looks really good. And you know what helps that? The actors are of the age of the characters in the book. That definitely did it. It's time for growth. I was going with the fact that Rick Riordan is on the show. That makes such a difference. He, He gets to... You know, these books are his baby. Yeah. And then now he gets to also have his hand in the show as well and make sure that it still holds true to the story, even if it's not exactly the same. Yeah. Because let's be honest, things are going to be different. Yeah. But if it still holds true to the purpose and the meaning behind yeah. it, I think that's what matters the yeah. most. So I think there's there's opportunity for the movie or the show to have a different perception or to be a better version or a different version than the book. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a better version, but a different version and, and one still that still be can be loved. Equally as good, but maybe different. For example, one thing that I did love, I like the TV show better than the book personally, was The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, I believe. Keep going, I'll, I'll Google okay. it. <laughs> um, so The Haunting of Hill House, it's, on a, it's also a Netflix show now. Yes, The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. So I also read the book, and the book is very good. It's not my speed personally, so I would still recommend it to others who like that kind of horror type Mm -hmm. uh, story, but 
personally wasn't my speed. I preferred the TV show. They just, they changed things and they focused in on certain aspects of the book more than others. So then it ended up following a different plot line. So, which I preferred, but that's just me personally. But again, I look at it as two separate entities. Yeah. The book is one thing. The TV show is something else. But with adaptions, one of my favorite things is when a movie or a TV show changes something or doesn't do something justice in the book. And it's the tiniest thing, but the fan base loses their shit over it. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Like, one is... Wait, where are which you going Yeah, which one are you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, there, there's a beautiful moment in Harry Potter. I was not going to go with Harry Potter. Oh, okay. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban in the third book by J.K. Rowling. Sorry, we're looking at my cat who's staring at the wall right now. It's so weird. Anyway, in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, there is the moment where Hermione punches Draco in the face. Mm. Like, what had that not been in the movie, I would have lost my mind. Right? And in the book, doesn't she slap him? <laughs> I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure she as long time, as her hand still. comes across his face in right. some manner with force, mm-hmm. all I ask. That was my first, like, feminist moment where I was like, yes, hit him. The example I was going to mention was in um, the Hunger Games movie. Okay. The cat. Oh. Their cat's name is Buttercup. And it's very specifically explained as, like, a Maine Coon, fluffy, yellowy, orange yeah, named Buttercup. You would think that that's the, yeah. what that cat would look like. Yeah. In the movie, it's a tuxedo cat. Long-haired tuxedo cat. So it's black and white. And the fans got so upset about it. There were whole plot points missed in that movie. And characters excluded. But that cat, <laughs> they were so upset about it that in the second movie, they changed the cat. Uh, allegedly, that's what happened. Okay, allegedly, that's what happened. <laughs> but... All I know is the first movie, the cat's black and white. The second movie, it's orange. Yeah. That's funny. It's just the power of the fan base, which I, I just love I like when that you too. have such a passionate fan. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, probably for me as a reader, the most important thing is the story still has to be told the, as best as possible. And like those details to be as accurate as possible is more important to me than probably whether or not Annabeth's hair was blonde mm-hmm. in Percy Jackson, which as a kid, that's what I wanted. But like, realistically now, I want the story to be and the heart of the, of the story and of the book to be told in the best way possible. And I don't care who plays the characters mm-hmm. as long as they're good. What book is on your list to read next? So currently I'm working on the Inheritance Games, Inheritance Game Trilogy. But I'm finishing the second book, about to start the third book. So that's currently what I'm reading. So the first book being The Inheritance Game, second one being The Hawthorne Legacy, mm-hmm. and the third being The Final Gambit. Mm-hmm. So Final Gambit just came out. I'm working on Hawthorne Legacy right now. But yeah, so that's currently what I'm, what I'm working on. So what, what are you going to read next? So you actually just gave me a book. I took it to work today to read it. Oh my gosh, did you start it? No. Oh my god. (laughs) No, I, because I brought it with me thinking I would have downtime today and I didn't. Oh, Good Girl's Crime. Nope. A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. That one. By Holly Jackson. A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, yeah. A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, yeah. So that one. Mm -hmm. Also. uh, So good. 
Caraval. Caraval, yeah. That one's another one. Uh, Caraval by, yep, by Stephanie Garber is a good, like, fantasy series. It's magic. It's actually one that I, I suggest to people fairly often if you like, again, it's YA. It's just magic and romance and darkness and just beautiful, like, carnival magic in it. It's really good. I like it a lot. I just thought of another trope that I love. You just keep sliding them in here. I know. <laughs> I don't know if it's a trope, but something that I love that when it happens in a book, mm. a masquerade. Ooh, love a good masquerade. That's right? my dream thing to happen in my life. I want to go to a masquerade. <laughs> I want to wear a ball gown and yeah. a mask. It's my dream. So I read this book a while back called Cinder. Ooh. Did I ever tell you about that one? I never read it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, so it's a whole series mm-hmm. of basically like, I think it's just grim fairy tales, but it's like those grim fairy tales that we know now as Disney princesses and, and stories. Yeah. So the first one is Cinder, Cinderella. Um, mm. I think the second one is Scarlet. So it's uh, Red Riding Hood. Oh. Um, but they all take place in this like, futuristic world like for example Ooh, the lunar chronicles yes, by marissa mayer chronicles. yes sorry so, if we pronounce any author names incorrectly i'm, sure I'm so sorry yeah the lunar chronicles so there's a whole thing about like the moon there's people who live on the moon it's a whole thing i can't even go into it it's a whole thing <laughs> but they have like this glamour magic thing so they can like disguise how they look it's so cool but there's a masquerade because it's Cinderella is the first book. So Cinder, she's also a cyborg. <laughs> she's going to slide that right in there. Cause it's, no, because it's like futuristic. So she's she's this like badass girl who finds her way. She ends up obviously meeting the prince. He doesn't know who she is. It follows yeah. based, the, loosely follows yeah, yeah, yeah. the plot of Cinderella. But the masquerade, it's towards the end of the book. And it is, it leaves on such a cliffhanger. Spoiler she gets arrested. It's a whole thing. Because it's okay. a mix between those, like, classic fairy tales and post-apocalyptic dystopian adventure. It's Ooh. so good. Okay. Another book series I would recommend. Okay. I feel like we talk a lot about YA novels, which yeah. is what I probably expected from this conversation <clears throat> with you. Yeah. Like, we love YA. That's pretty much all I read. Ugh, I have so many for you to read. You should just... <laughs> Darren, I'm telling you, make a Goodreads account and just, like, follow me, and we can send each other book options. We do that with music. We should just do that yeah, with books, should. too. Yeah, we should. Why not? Darren, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to record two episodes with me, so you've been here for so long. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I'm so happy to have this conversation with you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. I've loved talking to you about all of this. Thank you for listening to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. The Book Club episode. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, and if you're interested in any of the books that were discussed in this episode or any of the episodes, they're always listed in the show notes. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Unofficial Book Club Pod, and don't forget to rate and share with all of your friends. Until next time.